Even if you're lost, you can't lose the love because it's in your heart. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Retrospectives Avatar Legend of the Last Retrospective. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Macaringo. Hi, my basement flooded today. It's 100 degrees over here. Actually, it might be more than 100 degrees the day we're recording this. But uh, so, so it's a little rough today. Everything is great in the world. It's, everything is. It could not. You know. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to say that. But yeah, everything. Let's not do that. <laughs> everything is just bad all the time now. Let's. Uh, one thing I want to say though is I think on the last episode I mentioned uh, how I was really enjoying the rewatch. And that I was already ahead. And, like, I was trying to watch five for, like, everyone we were recording and, like, not going too far ahead. But I was enjoying the show so much that I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to keep watching. And then I'll just have to, I'll rewatch what I can before we record. But this turned into, like, a whole ordeal <laughs> where I did not finish watching all five of these episodes until today. Okay, well... Just, like, shit kept getting in the way. And I, I, I really wanted to, but I, I watched one episode per day. It's, like, slowly creeping forward. Well, I'm glad you watched them. And I guess this is also the part of the show where we point out that if you're listening to this Avatar Retrospective podcast, uh, we will be going over every episode of every series and every movie adaptation of Avatar The Last Airbender. And it's Don't need to season, see the movie. Legend, and it's sequel season... Legend of Korra, <laughs> uh, we will be talking about the movie, but we're also going to presume that, you know, like, you've, you've seen it all, so we're not going to spend too much time breaking down the plot as much as discussing our reactions to it, the characters, the arcs, the themes, all that good stuff, and every episode, or every podcast episode, rather, we'll be going over five episodes in the series of Avatar The Last Airbender. So today... And this is, is the, this is the fifth episode that we're recording? Yes, we're the first episode about season two, book and, two. Uh, and if you are, if you're watching the show for the first time, based on how quickly it tends to take us to get these episodes out, you should be lapping us by now. You should have watched all of Last Airbender, all of Legend of Korra, and now you should be rewatching Last Airbender or James Cameron's Avatar. You're gonna keep. You're gonna keep going with that one. I absolutely am. Gonna, but today's gonna... episodes are chapter one. Avatar. The name Avatar works so much better here. I, I know. I know. It's like they should. They James Cameron should have been forced to change the name of his stupid movie to Pandora, which is a better title for that. I think so. But today's episodes of... are the Avatar State, the Cave of Two Lovers, the Return to Omashu, the Swamp, and Avatar Day. So I know you're trying to rush through this, uh-huh. but I got I got tangents. Okay, let's let's, let's do uh, some tangents then. I got a, I got a pocket full of tangents. So, <laughs> yeah, what, what are they? Cameron, <laughs> James Cameron, you fuck. <laughs> that, is that it? <laughs> That's it. Okay. Um, but yeah, this is the season two, book two, and right out the gate, there's a renewed energy. Coming off the end of season one, which just like peaks in like this incredible like fantasy finale, and it doesn't like reset the stage in a huge way for the series, but it's kind of like one of the most satisfying season finales ever. So, like, the question is, like, where does season two go? Is it just more traveling around the world? 
Uh, even though they have like a renewed sense of purpose, they know that Angney's an earthbending teacher now. And uh, like, are they going to get up to wacky shenanigans with more Avatar gang stuff? And then on the flip side of that, you have Zuko and Uncle Iroh, who are, um, well, they become fugitives really quickly in season two. Shake things up. I think what I really like about this first episode is that Yen, Yen the season one, bit of a downer with uh, the whole like moon thing, but they won, uh, and now it's like, all right, the Avatar is like officially back. So now everyone knows the Avatar's back. He's here to restore hope. Uh, we're going to go right to the Earth Kingdom, and the Earth Kingdom should help us, and everything should be smooth sailing from now on. We won't, there's no sneaking across enemy lines necessary anymore. And then like you immediately find out the Earth Kingdom also sucks. Yeah, it, it kind of tosses a wrench into more of the, the, the proceedings in a way that, like, it also answers questions that someone might have after watching the first season finale where it's like, why doesn't he just do that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, why doesn't he just go in the Avatar state? Like, it's fundamentally addressing why he can't just do that. And also why uh, it examines another way why the war has, like, kind of broken people's minds. You know? Yeah. And that, like, you know, the uh, voiced by Daniel Day Kim, this Earth general who uh, uh, who's trying to force Aang into the Avatar state has gone crazy because of the war. And, like, there's a sadness to that because he was pushed to that breaking point, obviously, because of the longevity of the fight. But also, like, well, he's, <laughs> he's, he's a crazy almost, person. He's almost the Earth Kingdom inverse of, uh, what's his name? Admiral oh, Zhao. Died. Yeah, yeah. He's almost like a weird reflection of that guy, mm-hmm. where that guy was like, "I'll go do whatever it takes to win. I'll kill the fucking moon." <laughs> and now General General Fong here is like, "I'm gonna kill your friends <laughs> to get you to go into the Avatar state." And it's like that's not good. Um, also, it does feel a little bit like hastily, like they did the Avatar state thing at the end of season one and then it feels like shit now why like now we have to come up with a reason why he doesn't just always do that mm-hmm. and so they, they point out that it's like hey it takes a lot for him to go into that state he can't really control it and uh, if he is killed in the avatar state it will break the line it'll, it'll break the reincarnation line of the avatar which is bad yeah that which that really raises the stakes. Mm-hmm. So now it's like his most powerful thing is also when he's most vulnerable. And I, I, I don't know the process of writing of that idea, but like at least the emotional component of it has been seeded like really well throughout the first season of the show leading up to this. That yeah, when Aang is like emotionally like distraught or like heightened, um, that that's when he can like tap into like his spirit side. The, the best and all that other shit the, the scary shit that raises the stakes is we kind of get uh, dumped on yeah I think it works bit. like you, you can just feel that like it was kind of like either this was something that they always intended or they came with on the spot but they felt the need to be like alright we gotta get this information out immediately mm-hmm. yeah like, and, and it works that, yeah, yeah it's fine um, and it's a great little like it's a great little story and also it's you know it's putting the pressure on Aang where it's like you know, Fong has got a point where it's like, hey, man, 
you could fight with that power you could take out like the entire fire nation navy mm-hmm. if you used it right and all my men are dying so i'd rather you just do that than you know learn to master the four elements yeah and it's the same confrontation that ang had when he first ran away over 100 years ago now right like that people were telling him like no he can't be a kid he, he he can't just like live his life he needs to like act now because war is coming and this is like the return of that like fear for him you know and the fact that he still can't even like access the avatar state immediately and he's like begging for this general to not like kill katara it's like really sad it's a fucked up scene and he does try uh we try a bunch of goofy ways first doesn't he like drink something? Oh yeah, he, it's like tea, but it's supposed to be like, like uh, to access the chi better. But really, it's just like caffeine. So he's like, "Is it working? Is it working?" And then after saying, "Is it working?" It's a little bit like, uh, not not really, but um, in Big Trouble in Little China when they're in the elevator and they drink that shit, <laughs> and he's like, "I'm feeling kind of invincible." <laughs> and just like doing like the hand signal to everyone, like, yeah. <laughs> And then he shoots the ceiling and knocks himself out. <laughs> There's a great movie. That is a great movie. Uh, um, yeah, solid, solid return for for the gang. But the but the B plot is in this episode is just as important as the A plot. In fact, I would almost argue the A plot is kind of secondary to what's going on with Zuko and Iroh. Well, theirs is like a severe resetting of the board. <laughs> Whereas Aang is just like another conflict on the road to Omashu. You know, like it doesn't like derail their plan. It's just like, yeah, we'll probably go by ourselves now. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of uh, the guy we're who wanted me to become a war criminal. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get escorted, but now we're going to just do our own thing. Mm-hmm. I like that Sokka boops him on the head. Uh, but anyways, yeah, Zuko and Iroh uh, officially become fugitives. As uh, his sister Azula begins hunting them down. But first she like welcomes them back with false open arms. And one of her like commanders on her own like fire navy ship like Zuko had. Is like oh the the prisoners are ready to board ma'am. And then immediately she's like the fuck did yeah. you say? That guy fucked up. Yeah that, that they didn't show it. And we never see that guy again. But I'm like 90% sure that guy's dead. Yeah all you need to do is not show that guy again. Yeah no she, she <laughs> definitely get- killed him. You get what happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Zula, she's a real jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's pretty vicious. And we've, we've seen her, um, I believe, twice up to this point. Yeah, and um, no no dialogue, but we've seen the character pop up. And I think she dark. has one... Does she have one line at the end of season one? No, no, she, she doesn't say uh, anything. She's just okay. waiting for her dad's orders. Yeah, he says, you're gonna go fucking fuck him up. Um, and we also see her being very excited at her brother being permanently scarred in the face. Yeah. Which is, uh, like the first moment you're like, who the fuck is that? And then <laughs> oh, this it's is when we start sister. to find out who that is. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, oh, it's the worst person. Um, and she's also a, a perfectionist. And as you know, all perfectionists are fascists. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But she's, um... Uh, they do a really good job of, like, detailing how committed she is to, like, perfecting her craft and, like, becoming, like, the most, like, 
versatile like killer basically i got i got a point to make though about your perfectionism thing oh god i think here's the thing i think iroh is a perfectionist but he goes with the flow he doesn't like force it whereas azula her whole thing is winning like that's it and it's it's about winning at everything mm-hmm. and there's no deeper philosophy of that and the philosophy of winning, I think, is one of the most hollow philosophies of today. <laughs> I think it wasn't me. Someone said this, and it was, like, one of the greatest points I ever heard. And I think it was, like, in a fucking comedy article I was reading. But uh, they said the, the right wing of America has no real philosophy anymore other than winning. So it's like everything they do is just about winning. It's not about actually doing anything. Mm-hmm. It's not about actually believing in anything. The only belief is winning, which is why they're so obsessed with like the stock market and just like feeling like and that you know like to own libs has become a thing. And it really kind of is how they think these days. I mean, like on the day of recording this, we're still dunking on Trump for like this recent interview he had, where it is just like, you know, insanity. What he's yeah, saying, and, and in the that inter- that very interview. He's saying, like, well, you know, we're number one in the world with these cases, but, you know, it's because we're testing the most, you know? So, in a way, we're first, you know? Like, we're doing the most. And it's like, I know, like, I know. why do you, dude, thousands of people are dying every day. Oh, my God. And it's like, it's also this thing of, we are so, the right is so obsessed with winning that they've made an entire conspiracy theory up that is anytime the president fucks up and his fuck up goes viral that's him winning is that what QAnon is I don't know what that is part of what QAnon believes is that Trump is at least that they believe this at one point they change their fucking thing like every three weeks but at one point they believe that Trump was A. sending secret signals in all his speeches and B. he's he's acting the part of a fool so he can secretly remove all the pedophiles that are running the country or something? Like, what? it's this... Yeah, there's, like, these, like, weird levels to it. Like, it's 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 pure insanity. But QAnon is so, like, flexible that it's really a conspiracy theory that just allows you to, like, believe anything. Oh, okay. It's like when someone and says, again, like, oh, they're being an SJW. It's like, that doesn't mean anything at this point. And again, it's all about winning. Uh-huh. There's nothing deeper to it. It's not about solving a problem. It's not about accomplishing anything. It's about my side is winning. It's it's mission accomplished. Yeah, it really That's, is. <laughs> I mean, and and again, you, with your point about like uh, SJWs and stuff, think about all the videos online that go viral. Not really go viral, but like you can find them. They have like millions of views of like SJWs owned, you know? And it's at some point, it's like, that doesn't really, like, even if you believed all that, what are you accomplishing with it? And, like, there's no, there's no goal to accomplish because you can't, there's no win. There's, there's no end point, but you just have to keep, like, the, the image of winning. I, I don't have anything else to add except for, like, yeah, that's, it's a really depressing reality we live in. And the, the good point on this, I guess, is that, it looks like the majority of like the common people have kind of woken up to that, not 
being it. There are obviously a lot of, like, MAGA supporters and stuff like that, and I don't want to downplay how, like, toxic and poisonous that is, and that's a problem that needs to be dealt with, like, to educate these people out of there, right? Like, some people are just too far gone, but, you know, they need to be, like, helped in some capacity, right? But the fact that most people have woken up to, to this... It gives me hope that whatever happens, we can at least, like, overthrow the government and, like, win at the end of the day. But that's all. Yeah. We'll see. We'll, we'll see, I guess. It depends. It depends. Yeah. It's all, It's all like, it's going to be a long decade, oh, is all I'll say. Yep. Um, but, hey, it might be, like, something where when we get to the end of it, you know, I can be like, hey, I was on the right side of history and these fuckers weren't. I mean, but then you'll just be winning. I know, but hey, that's, that's <laughs> all I got at this point. I'm just trying to make it through the day now. Yeah, well, I mean, it's literally like, I can't say that unless we actually win. So, like, I actually have to do something. I can't just appear to win. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there you go. You're already winning with that Cause ideology. Because if, if I lose, I'm executed by the state. Oh, okay. So. I, I guess that just, is a possibility for us. This is, it's, yeah, it's a very, very probable thing. <laughs> Not crazy about that. Speaking, are, are you white and rich? Then I'm white passing, and I'm definitely not rich. Yeah, well, there you go. Poverty, dead. Oh. <laughs> That's what it's gonna be. I mean, yeah. I, hey, hey, <laughs> it's gonna be, gonna be interesting. The cave of two lovers. <laughs> <laughs> the last time Avatar: The Last Airbender focused on romance for an episode entirely. You and I were not very positive on it. You were specifically negative on it. And I was like, it's bad, but it's also got some cute shit in it that made me laugh. But also mostly just reductive. Yeah, that was the one with the fucking fortune teller. Yeah, the, the fortune teller. See, the reductiveness of that overshadowed the fact that it was about romance. Because I don't have a problem with romance. Yeah, no, no, no. It's yeah, just I, that, I, I think that episode blew. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I think we've both been pretty open on any retrospective we've done about stories that that do deal with romance is like not not against it at all like mm-hmm. I like cried to the entirety of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy about how good I think that romance is handled <laughs> but like uh yeah that episode of Avatar the Last Airbender just does not like work <laughs> like especially in this show yeah. and I think the Cave of Two Lovers is a very nice extremely cute inverse of that in that it does really work <laughs> It's a better version of that. Significantly. The only problem is... Oh, no. We're forced to hang out and identify with damn dirty hippies. No. (laughs) (laughs) Which, uh... Gotta be honest, I wasn't a a big fan of those... These guys. (laughs) So you're more of a Sokka this time. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, because he's not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's the weird thing where both those episodes, it's like Sokka's right. <laughs> and then it's like, Sokka, shut the fuck up. But that's why Sokka's such a ladies' man. I guess. I don't know. I, I like Sokka. Is he? Uh, not at this point. He he likes women, he's but prob- he's like he's not there yet. He's probably the only one that like had more than one romantic interest in this series. Iroh eats a poison plant i think the white jasmine tea leaf or deadly poison (laughs) (laughs) and 
um, his little escapades with Zuko are are a delight. But then they end really depressing after uh, someone does help Uncle Iroh with his poisonous tea rash. And uh, Zuko and, and the, the young woman that helps them uh, decides to steal their ostrich horse. Yeah. And Well, this is like yeah. Zuko kind of starting to get a look at, you know, he's kind of been a Mr. Like down on the dumps loser boy. <laughs> and he's been like, why is my life so hard? And it's like, yeah, dude, your life sucks, but you are, you know, the prince of the Fire Lord who is hurting a lot of people who aren't royalty <laughs> and are just like peasants. And yeah, that's, you know, they got it rough too. Like not, not invalidating your suffering, but you got to step outside your bubble a little bit. Yeah. I think that's the, one of the big conversations that this show handles really well is that everyone's kind of got their own struggles and battles to fight, you know, like, yeah. It's not well, a competition. A lot of this... It's all just like we're all dealing with things and we can get through it together better. Now that Zuko and Iroh are on the run because they're, they're fugitives and they, they really disguise themselves by changing their hair slightly. Oh, yeah, I know. And... I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Zuko's got like the most easily identifiable mark with that huge burn on his face. I know. Like this is, this is basically a nitpick because I think... <laughs> I'll, I'll say it right now. I think this might be the strongest season of any Avatar season that we're about to discuss. Hey, no. But that was always a question that, like, stuck in the back of my mind. Oh, how did no one recognize Zuko of the Fire Nation? The guy yeah. everyone knows whose father burned him on the left side of his face. Could at least give him a kid, like, an eye patch or something. <laughs> Oh, right, I know, I know. You know? But, hey, what are you, you going to... But you know what? Maybe, you know... I, I, the the better you know maybe the read is that all the earth benders do recognize him but now he's a fugitive they're like fuck it <laughs> oh, okay i i that's a stretch that might be well, a stretch you know, how, you know how in the great escape uh they're like <laughs> what i don't know i just I, I just i don't know we 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 pull some some old movies out of here for these discussions yeah well let sometimes. me let me make my fucking point first all right all right, all right. In The Great Escape, they're like, we have to always be trying to escape. Like, even if we're not going to succeed, because it will waste the resources of the Nazis. So it's like, like they're, they're building these tunnels, and like the, even if they aren't going to get out, they have to do it, because it's their duty to like weaken the Nazis from within. Because now they have to waste more resources keeping them from escaping. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like, all right, Zuko and Iroh are on the run. They're fugitives. Don't catch them, because now the fi- you know the Fire Nation has to waste. Even if it's just a small amount, they still have to waste resources trying to hunt them down. I like that read. I mean, hey, you yeah, know, yeah, it's it's an interesting. And I mean, we we Azula at this point in the show, uh, she is just she is not after the Avatar. She is after Zuko. And that will change uh, when we get to the end of this recording. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It'll change in the very next episode. <laughs> um, but back to the the cave of two lovers. Well, in the secret tunnel. Secret tunnel. Um, I used to love going around with uh, my friend Christian Rainwater. If you're listening to this, you better be, motherfucker. Uh, 
we used to sing this in high school, just randomly when we see each other in the hallways, because it's a catchy song. I'm guessing you guys were really cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we were the coolest. Everyone thought we were the coolest people on campus. Better than hanging out with the guy who always quotes Monty Python, the Holy Grail. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Or the, the anime kids. Just kidding. Here, here's here's my joke. Everyone at my school is the anime kid except for me, so I was the loser who didn't watch anime. <laughs> yeah, but every anime kid I knew grew up to be Antifa, so... No, that's true, yeah. Shout out so. to, like, 99% of the people I went to high school with for not being, like, red-hatted MAGA fucks. I know the 1% of you out there are, but you're not going to listen to this shit. I wish I, wish I could say that about my high school. Oh, sorry. But I can't. Hey, I grew up in a fairly affluent white area, so it's just going to happen. But I like the, uh, I, I like the, the cute little, like, will they, won't they stuff with Katara and Aang. Like, I don't know. This, this last rewatch, I was actually like, I was kind of like, aww. Like, it, it was nice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nothing like jaw-dropping or anything like that. It, this wouldn't make, like, a top ten list or anything. It's just like, sometimes it's nice to have these little cute adventures nestled away in your big fantasy story i think the problem is i like romance fine in stories i like you know it can be really nice but i think the problem is i'm dead inside oh okay so it's getting in the way of me enjoying these the the romance stuff as much but what you know i can't really blame the show for that what was the legend of the two lovers anyway i left my brain the legend of the two lovers was that their two nation or their two tribes were at war and that it's basically Romeo and Juliet, right? Oh, and they're the first earthbenders, right? Yeah, they learn earthbending from the badger moles, and that's how they learn to make the secret tunnels, which are essentially a labyrinth underneath the mountain that separated their two villages. And they would meet in the center of the, the tunnels and stuff like that, and, and kiss and fall in love and stuff like that. But one day, the the man did not appear, and she found out that he was killed in the war between two villages, she creates a valley that we do see later in the series. I don't know if you caught that. Well, if it's later, I don't remember it. So. Okay. No, well, you see it in like uh, Katara's like explanation of it with the the drawings on on the the cave walls. She creates a valley, um, and ends the war between the two tribes, and uh, brings about an era of peace. And then they name the city Omashu after Oma, the woman, and Shu, the man. So it's cute. It's a cute little little story they stumble into. Yeah. You know, sneaking off to the cave to do some kissing. <laughs> you gotta sneak off to the cave to just kiss. Yeah. It, Se- s- secret cave. Mm-hmm. Cave time. Is that is that like an East Coast thing? We don't have caves I, here. Yeah, I don't have caves on the East Coast. I don't know. You guys have all the weird shit. We have uh, the Iroquois longhouses. I don't, I don't know what that is. The Five Nations. Oh. Never mind. Uh, did you know that uh, part of our government was based on the structure of the Iroquois Five Nations because they divided power? And there's a signed document from George Washington promising uh, this whole section of upstate New York to the Iroquois. Guess where I lived? <laughs> I know, I lived in that exact area because guess what we didn't give to them? Oh. <laughs> yeah. There's, like, one spot that we gave to him near where I live. <laughs> so depressing. 
Yeah, and they oh they used to always get in trouble because kids would sneak across the border to buy cigarettes because it wasn't uh, you didn't have to be twenty one or eighteen to buy them in the Iroquois Nation. Okay, yeah, we had a place like that by my high school too. It is no longer and, there. And there was a casino. We didn't have that. You know, America's a very interesting. I, here's the thing. All right. I got a story, sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. We're, we're good on I time. Just, I just brought up the George Washington thing. At least it uh, wasn't 9-11. I, hey, now. Um, we have a... For some reason, my city, Syracuse, New York, after 9-11, um, we have a one of the beams from the Twin Towers at City Hall. I don't know why. <laughs> but, because we're another city in New York, I guess? It's the only connection I can make, but that's a thing. But when I was in college, um, they had a speaker from the um, Iroquois come to talk to us. And, like, you could go and get, like, for, like, college extra credit or something if you went to it um, and helped your grade. And I went to it, and this guy gave this, like, really good speech. He was talking about it, and he's like – and he, he had the actual document with him that George Washington signed. In like, you know, like a glass thing. So you could see George Washington's actual signature. So it was like really fascinating. And I had this really great time. And then this guy gets up and was like, I'm here to talk about gambling addiction. (laughs) I think your casino is contributing to my brother's gambling addiction. And the guy's like, well, you know, that's we're a casino. (laughs) I mean, go, there's, there's groups for that. We give money to groups like that, but it doesn't really have anything to do. Because the guy was actually there to talk about how he's been advocating for the return of some of the land they were promised. That's what he was there to talk about. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, that's not really what I'm here to talk about. <laughs> and then that guy got up and left. <laughs> what, what does that have to do with the Cave of Two Lovers? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. All right, that's getting cut. <laughs> but no, look, hey, I'm fascinated with the history of my home state. You guys have Wendigos? Um, yeah, actually. What? I mean, well, like, there's a lot of like myths that like connect. You know, I don't know if they call them Wendigos, but it's one of those things where it's like there's similar Wendigo myths in the fucking northeast area or whatever the fuck. So at the end of the Cave of Two Lovers, uh, the no ga- caves in Syracuse. The gang actually there are there totally are. The gang makes it to Omashu, and you the- see because there are glaciers in the Ice Age like stretch down all the way to New York, and they created a lot of like interesting hills and valleys and like really deep lakes. And you can't even, you can't go swimming in the lakes because sometimes you could swim under underwater, and you could end up under a weird pocket. And like if you swim up, you'll hit your head and drown. Because they're all shaped really weird because of glaciers. Are you done? So there are caves is what I'm, I'm getting at. Okay. So at the end of the Cave of Two Lovers, uh, Sokka has hopefully learned to loosen up a little bit and understand that the destination is just as important as the journey. But Sokka doesn't Sok- care. So. Sokka was right. Those hippies suck. <laughs> I like them. I like them. If they kept coming yeah, yeah. back, I wouldn't have liked them. But I like I like them for this one-off. They kept singing fucking songs. Secret tunnel. 
Secret yeah. tunnel. Never, never with those people. I'd sing that at karaoke. But they get to Omashu and they discover that it has been taken over by the Fire Nation. Dun, dun, dun. That was a great little cliffhanger. When I saw that, I was like, wait, wait, what? Like, I, I remember my reaction to that being very uh, loud. According to the Wikipedia, if you had watched it when it aired, you would have had to wait two weeks for the resolution. I don't know why. Why was that? Oh, you know why? Because Nickelodeon fucking shit when it comes to scheduling uh, shit. Oh, wait, no, my math is wrong. For some reason, I thought... Oh, seven, it says it aired on March 24th, and the next episode was April 7th. So I was like, oh, it must have been April 1st. They must have done something for April 1st, but I don't think that math adds up. No, it would have been March 31st. Yeah, so... So it's three I don't know weeks. Why, then. No, no, never mind. Ignore no, me. idiot. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. 24 hours is like three weeks. Uh, it's this hundred degree heat. Don't don't blame me. Yeah, yeah, and all my fuck ups are because the basement flooded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so they get back to Omashu. My power still isn't back, by the way. Ang's plan was to have Boomy <laughs> teach him earthbending because that that's a pretty easy setup, right? It would be fun. Spend more time with Boomy. It's a good character. Do um, you re- do you re- do you mean Uncle Boomy? You can recall his past lives. No, <laughs> no. No, but that's a great film. Everyone should watch that. Are you telling me this guy can't recall his past lives? Oh, I guess Ang can. I don't know if Boomy yeah, but, can. But Boomy totally seems like a guy who could. No, Boomy probably just has a bunch of weird shit going on in his mind all the time that we just have no perspective into. Yeah, Boomy looks like he lived a whole life. He, he looks like he lives ten lives. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They fucking... He's getting, like, thrown around in this episode. He's, like, 100 years old. That dude's got some, like, stamina. I know. He's, like, as old as Aang, right? So, like, he's just... Yeah. He's built that earthbending technique, I guess. Uh, he's yeah. earthbending with his face. <laughs> which is, like, amazing. Because, you know, all the other bending techniques we've seen causes, like, the full range of, like, the body's capacity and, like extensive motions and he's just like chin up <laughs> like boom so that's pretty cool uh and then this is the episode where azula of course shows up again but also determines that she cannot hunt her her brother uh and eventually the avatar with her whole entourage following her uh and immediately shows that she's more efficient than zuko ever was because she just immediately tosses that aside and also we've kind of seen that Already the last season. We also learn that even though Azula is evil on the surface in every way, (laughs) doesn't even bother to hide it, even she has more friends than her brother. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) Which is... Oh, man. You kind of feel bad for Zuko at times. I feel bad for Zuko all the time. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. I don't feel bad for him yet because he's still an asshole. I can't really feel bad for him yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. He, He's, like, a, a huge asshole at the beginning of this season again. I forgot. Like, yeah. he's just a he's, little shithead. He steals the lady's ostrich thing. Ostrich horse. Yeah, it wasn't a good thing to do. No, it was that awful. Was, that lady was nice to them. Yeah. But Azula is much worse to her actual friends. <laughs> so which... Get- 
is a huge bummer. <laughs> yeah, so we get to meet Ty Lee uh, and and May, who both fan favorite characters for obvious reasons. They're just both great, both great, and they have like this great like trio dynamic between them. Like they're a fun little oh, yeah. counterpoint to the Avatar gang. They all got like their own little like quirks and and. You can tell they all have, like, this interiority. Like, they all have their own, like, goals in life. But they're kind of manipulated into, like, leaving. Or I guess Ty Lee is manipulated into leaving that. And then well, every time May is, like, just up, bored. Whenever they're just walking together, they are genuinely intimidating. Mm-hmm. And I say that as an adult watching the show knowing they are children. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> they're still very intimidating when they're in a group. And they actually, for the first time, they actually feel like, it actually feels like they're a threat to Aang, which I haven't totally felt from the Fire Nation up to this point. Yeah, I think the only, like, let's take a look back at this then. The only times in, like, season one where you could actually feel, like, genuine peril are kind of with the pirates and Zuko, just because that was, like, such a crazy, like, set piece, you know? But not really Zuko ever by himself. And, like, the attack on the North Pole. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. Or, or you know what? When Admiral Zhao captured him too, with those like crazy archers, that was kind of like. There's more well, peril and Zha- there. And Zhao straight up says, "Like, look, I know it's a bad idea to kill you because you'll just come back. So I'm just going to torture you." And he says that to a child. Yeah. So not 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 <laughs> a great group of guys over there. Yeah. But but most of the time, the Fire Nation is portrayed fairly comically, mm-hmm. um, including this one where the they trick basically everyone. In Omashu, to, that there's a there's a outbreak of uh, pentapox, pentapox, which is something they just yeah. And there's a good running gag of like I'm pretty sure I've heard of that, <laughs> but they just clearly made it up, yeah. and everyone falls for it, which is great. Um, I hate that. What's that like? Phobia, like trip tryptophobia or whatever of like the holes in skin and shit. Do you know what I'm talking what? about? I'm not crazy. I, I, I've, n- I've never heard of this. Okay, so it's like basically like like one of the seasons of American Horror Story like really promoted a lot of their images using it. And like they got a lot of complaints apparently because it's like really fucked up. But um, – Is that the one with the snakes? No, 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 no. It's like – they look like almost like beehives, you know, or bee combs, honeycombs and shit. I have no idea what you're talking okay, about. Okay, I won't send you a picture because it's horrifying. But anyways... Well, the, the I, you pen- can't send me a picture because I don't have fucking internet. Okay, well, whatever. The pentapox just reminds me of that and I hate it. But the little penta- uh, pentapus, is that what they're called? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I like I like those little guys. They're cute. Little octopus looking dudes. Yeah. But instead of octopus, it's pentapus because there's only five. Mm. Azula is incredibly mean to Ty Lee. It's not fair. <laughs> It's so mean. It made me really upset. <laughs> like, just rewatching it. I don't like people that mistreat their friends. Because friends are the most valuable currency in this world. Oh, okay. I didn't realize I you're getting so sentimental right now. I, I don't know why I, I, I compared friends to currency, but hey. You know. Human but stock like, capital. Yeah. It's just, you know, Ty Lee had found her dream. She's in the circus. Which is like a dream kids have for some reason. Yeah, I never got that. Even though whatever. The, even though the circus like objectively sucks. <laughs> but 
but she was an acrobat in the circus and she just treats her awfully and it tricks her into like basically quitting that was a very mean thing to do well she's not a nice person she also convinced May to let her son or her brother be kidnapped so like (laughs) yeah but May's like a nihilist so like that's understandable (laughs) I guess yeah she didn't seem to be that broken up about it but we did not see that conversation I guess that's true we did not see we just as well maybe was like look I'll, I'll get your brother back even though she doesn't I know, like, and but oh yeah, as far like, as yeah. as far as May knows, at the end of this episode, when she leaves with Azula and Ty Lee to go hunt down the Avatar and Zuko, like her brother's still missing. Yeah, there's a there's a great moment though. I guess is it May or Mai? I'm so, for some reason it just isn't sticking in my brain. I know, me neither. I, I sh- I'm not going to do the, the Topooper fucking... thing again. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, oh yeah, I can't trust you, but whatever her name is. Her introduction is great because she's kind of like, like, kind of like pointed out as like, you know, oh, I'm so bored, you know, that type of teenager. <laughs> she's almost kind of remind me a little bit of uh, what's her name in Beetlejuice? Winona Ryder. <laughs> yeah, Winona Ryder, where she's like, my my life, my life is a dark room or whatever she says. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're like, all right, that's this character. But then uh, she comes across Aang, like, they end up in a conflict with Team Avatar. And then she's just, like, fucking whipping knives out and shit. I know. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, what the fuck? Just everyone in this world is, like, carrying, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, you know, like, the guards were less prepared than she was. <laughs> and she, like, is still, like, and even when it's over, she's like, eh. <laughs> it, was, it was great. See, she's in it for, like, the sport of it. Yeah, yeah, because, like, she, I mean, she she is a nihilist, and, but even, like, the basic setup of, like, her not having a conflict and being bored because of it, I think is generally pretty compelling, because it's like, okay, what then what does she eventually care about? And then at the end, it's hinted that, like, oh, she had a crush on Zuko or something, because they're, yeah, she makes, they're off she in the makes Fire that Nation. Face. Mm-hmm. She, she makes a face. These first three, this run of three episodes at first are, like, really strong right out of the gate. Yeah, like, well, they, I gotta they talk about no time. Really? We didn't really talk about Boomy, who can recall his past lives. Okay. okay. K- King Boomy, who can recall his past lives. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. I got some questions. Oh, I figured. Boomy is like, look, a good a good earthbender, you know, they wait and listen. Because they got to be in touch with the earth around them, right? Mm-hmm. Fine lesson. But w- what what does that have to do with letting your city be conquered? Also, if if that's your plan... Hey, maybe let your troops in on it. You're probably right. Like, I, like I'm not like trying to be like plot hole because Boomy's like a clearly like wacky king. Yeah. So like, I'm not trying to be like what the fuck, but it's like, hey, Boomy, you know, <laughs> maybe not the best. Yeah. At handling these situations. Yeah, because the the episode does leave it off like, oh, that's why you did it. Good idea, and it's like, well, it's an okay idea. It probably saved a couple lives, at least, but, like, also, it, I, I don't, I, I, I'm kind of on your wavelength with that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, probably mm-hmm. at least a little explanation, or, like... I mean, waits and listens, it's just kind of like, here's why that character is going to be like they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we will not meet that character in the next two episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so... 
Well, we kind of will. Oh, yeah. There's a little hint of a, in the, a future meeting in the swamp. The swamp. Drain the swamp. No. Why you... <laughs> remember when that was a thing? I don't remember if that was two days ago or five years ago. Remember when lock her up was a thing? That's still a thing. And like, yeah, what's 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 weird is that now we're all like, lock her up because she's probably got ties to Epstein. Yeah, and Trump can't do that because he also has ties to Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like he actually could deliver on one of his campaign promises. <laughs> the one people have generally also woken up to and been like, no, 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 yeah, she there probably is some bad things there. But I mean, to be to be fair to the awful person that is Hillary Clinton. She is weaponized a lot to like st- stroke right wing outrage, you know. Yeah, and I mean, she she like, has kind of become like a lightning rod, unfortunately, for like misogynistic takes too. You know, yeah. Like, like there's a difference between like, hey, what she's done is actually pretty bad for like society and people of color and like yeah, minorities. She's a genuinely, she's a genuinely terrible person, but she's also like a scapegoat for a lot of shit. Yeah, like that, come on, criticize her properly. Don't just be an asshole. Yeah. You know, because it's like every few weeks they float this idea that, like, I hear from all my fucking conservative relatives with, like, Jer Hillary's gonna run again. Like, you're still saying it, like, now. Oh, Jesus Christ. And it's like, no, she's not. <laughs> but, like, the, but Fox News and its ilk have to bring it up every few weeks because it just, the mention of her name angers people, which is, that's sexism. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that, like, just mentioning her angers people like that. Whereas it's like, no, you know, she's got a lot of problems. Like most of the politicians in this fucking country. She's done more to complain about Bernie and and her friends have done more to stop Bernie than Donald Trump. Yeah, which is like weird and no one talks about how weird that is. Yes, it's incredibly weird. It's almost like they don't actually want to win the election because then they'd have to do yeah. things. But who knows? Who knows? That might who just knows? Be a crazy not to get conspiratorial. Cons- yeah, <laughs> and not to not to point out that they're running possibly the weakest candidate they could possibly run. Well, next to Michael Bloomberg. I don't know. Bloomberg at least had <laughs> Bloomberg was at least like a raging asshole. Like it's like we're it's like we're running white bread. <laughs> what it feels like this doesn't feel to great. bring it to something positive for a second and sorry to go back an episode but i really like the design of omashu where it's like it was like some sort of like mountaintop that they just kind of carved the city into that's a really cool just like how they like the earthbenders like it's built around their whole thing well i think the implication was after the the cave of two lovers episode to go back two episodes is that, like, the mountain area was the thing that was created by Oma. So that's the, that's that's where the, the mountains come into play. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I get that, but I'm just saying that, like, the design is good. No, okay, I'm just, I'm just bringing it, it all around. I think it's nice. Although, you know when you say that she made the mountains, you know what that unfortunately reminded me of? I'm scared. The Hobbit? Do you remember, do you remember Lava? <sighs> Anyways, the swamp. <laughs> Someone to lava. The, the, Remember she like drain the lava. The lady, the lady volcano, like come, like she grows out of the water. I know. I remember. I have a dream. I hope will come true. 
Oh, you remember the yep. words. See, I like romance. There's a plane two, two, flying two outside. I want it to crash through my window. Hey, now. I don't know. I'm feeling pretty good about all this. I don't know. The Swamp is another really good episode. You get to see cool yeah. little new water bending techniques. There's uh, some Cajun people. Oh, yeah. There's some... I mean, they're just... Which, it's obviously like hillbilly that... analogs. Yeah, it's like a group of people we just all agreed is okay to make fun of, which is kind of odd. Yeah, I don't, I don't get what that's about. Um, did you, did you ever see uh, you know the famous Samurai Jack episode, Jack and the Scotsman? Yeah, everyone talks about that because the the uh, the Scotsman character is so hysterical, mm-hmm. and it's great to quote. But I think what people talk about less. Do you remember the pig sheriff that's in it? Yeah. Where he he's got a Cajun voice, but he just talks in babble. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, like boom. It's like we're all okay with that. It's like that in Swedish Chef. I don't know that one actually. Swedish Chef from the Muppets. Oh, or it's like the birdie bird, the chicky. Like that's. We can just do that <laughs> with the Swedish. I, I guess so. There's just there's nothing to like. There's nothing else we have on them. I guess. Yeah. Just like it's one of those things where it's like try that with another group. <laughs> it's like <laughs> not not to oh. make it a competition or anything. <laughs> like hey, maybe not uh, the best thing, but hey, uh, you know. They look like the Game Grumps. Do you know what the Game Grumps are? Yes, I remember the Game Grumps. Are they still around? I know they. Yeah. the original ones are not, like... Well, no, the, the one same. left and then became racist. Oh, yeah. Oh, that <laughs> Which, I'm aware uh, of. Yeah, I don't really... I don't know, but I they, I, I watched an episode of the Game Grumps because Paul F. Tompkins was on. Oh, okay. And they were like, oh, those guys, these guys are fine. <laughs> and I think one of them recently said, like, trans rights, which is great. Oh, cool. Good, good, good. I mean, you know, I don't know enough about them. Yeah. But uh, I, when I, I know what they look like now. And they look like that. And, and they look like the two Cajun guys. <laughs> so, um, they are not, they're, they're kind of the, they're definitely the B story because they're trying to kill and eat Appa. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty, pretty fucked up. Yeah, you know, it's a goofy, it's a fun little episode. But then each of the Team Avatar members... Uh, stumble upon a vision of something they've lost or something that they're looking for. Well, Aang is the only one that, that stumbles onto the, the thing he's looking for, and he sees a flying boar and a mysterious girl who we've never seen before and he hasn't seen before, and he doesn't know what it means yet, but he knows it's important now. And Sokka sees Yue. I think we talked about it on a prior episode that she does... You, you didn't remember her coming back, and she returns here. And then uh, there you Katara... Go. Prove me wrong. I, Prove I me did, wrong. yeah. This is, this is the thing. This is becoming a running gag where five episodes after I say something, I am proven wrong. Yep. Because <laughs> it happened with her and him with the pirates. And uh, Katara Although, sees her mother. Although, hey, I think we said on an episode that we never found out what Iroh's thing with the spirit world was Mm -hmm. and i don't know if you're playing me but i remembered what it was okay 
is on the show. I don't know if we see him, but we find out what it was. Okay, okay. So, uh, well, so there you go. All right, all right. I think we'll talk about that relatively soon. No, we will probably not talk about that till season three. Okay. <laughs> That's relatively I mean, who knows? I, I, I could be uh, could be wrong, but yeah, we, everyone's seeing some shit in the swamp. And uh, it's... Oh, we also get to see vine vending now. Yeah, hey. Yeah, because they could bend the water through the vines and that gets some great little, like... Like, I bet Guillermo del Toro would have loved this episode. Yes. <laughs> Especially with, like, the weird swamp monster. Oh, yeah. Uh, and someone on Twitter pulled a gif of Katara when she's running up to it and it just, like, smacks her aside. And the, the caption was like, I love you, Katara, but what were you even thinking? Because she just, like, hopped back and forth, like, in a straight line. <laughs> and it's like, you see, like, Katara do, like, some of the most incredible bending techniques throughout the history of the show. And then just to cut to that, it's like, oh, yeah, they, they kind of just gave up there, didn't they? <laughs> uh, we also, that's when we meet the guy does the swamp bending. Uh, and he talks about the concept of, like, a tree and the interconnectivity of all things. And it's the, Which, is that the first, like, spirit-heavy stuff we've gotten this season, right? Um, like, apart from the, the Avatar state, of course, but, like... I, I think so. Apart from that, I think this is, uh, the first time we've gotten, like, new shit kind of thrown into, like, the different levels of spirituality. Mm -hmm. It's also interesting because, uh... Yoda in Star Wars lived on a swamp planet, and that's where he teaches the idea that life and the Force are connected. Yeah, it so is very like, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not angry about it. Yeah, no, no, no. Of course, right? it's just um, season two is very Empire Strikes Backy. Yeah, like yeah. structurally, especially on some of the heavier action episodes. I'll say it's very and Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> And not to diss Return of the Jedi, a movie I love, but I think the season three might be a better version of Return of the Jedi. And I think you should shut up until we get there. A little bit, a little bit. We'll get there, we'll get there. There's stuff to talk about. Well, I don't want to play my cards on that one. Are you going to be like, actually, season three is the worst season of Avatar and Korra combined? What, what? accent is that that's you know ang that's like you sounded like eric nerd. cartman <laughs> hey guys <laughs> actually hey, book three is that <laughs> i'm absolutely cool uh, <laughs> remember when cartman was just like an annoying kid and then now he's like a racist, a racist. Yeah, <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> he's a racist terrorist supremacist I mean, he was always racist, but the idea was he's a racist because he's a dumb kid. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, oh, Cartman's murdered people. <laughs> yeah. And there's, like, PC principle or some shit. I tapped out of South Park, uh, like, at the beginning yeah. of last decade, so I've completely missed everything that's happened since then. I, I only check in periodically, but there's, like, been this really fascinating thing where they did, like, the whole PC principle thing. And then the rise of Trump has clearly, like, shaken them a little bit. Because, like, they spent that whole season trying to be like, well, Trump is kind of like what we do. <laughs> and, like, trying to, like, figure out, like, what their voice is. 
in the age of Trump. Because like they there's that quote that went around where like they were like we're not gonna do Trump mm-hmm. and everyone was like oh they're just, they're they you know of course they won't because they're right wing or whatever, which you know you can say a lot about their politics but if you really read the quote they were kind of like we just don't know how to parody it. <laughs> it's like it's what we've been doing and now it's like our reality and it's really messed with us. <laughs> and that episode where they because remember they used to mock Al Gore with Van Verpeg. <laughs> Of course. And now they did they did an episode where they're like, actually, Man Bear Pig's real. <laughs> which is which was their way of going, global warming is actually real and we should deal with it. Oh, that, okay. See, that sounds interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think because it's still South Park, there's like, they still have to do that both sides bullshit. Yeah. That's what really sucks like, it. I really stopped watching just because they, they fucking like just suck when it comes to trans issues. And it's like, I just, I, I have too many, like, trans friends at this point. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's one thing to kind of, like, not have your finger on the pulse of America. <laughs> but uh, the stuff that gets thrown around trans people, like, can result in, like, actual deaths. Mm-hmm. So we got to be smarter about that. Yeah. And I have to and... spend too much time on South Park, but I think that's also part of the reason why I tapped out of that. Like, not even because, like, I was as politically aware as I was during the Obama administration or anything like that. But like, especially around like 2015, 2016, when Trump started campaigning, that's when I was like, officially like, I'll probably never sit down to watch an episode again because I, you can just see how that fed into like a lot of that base, you know? Yeah. You know, what was the big thing for me, honestly, and this might sound weird. It was fucking Gamergate. That doesn't sound weird at all. It sounds exactly like, like that. It just, but it was like it was one of those things where I like if I'm if I'm being perfectly honest, like I was a shitty teenager. I I, I, I would be right there with you for a long time, and I was like, you know, I was never like anti women or anything, mm-hmm. and I was never anti like trans. I've never been that, but I was like, mm. I don't know, like I was kind of like both siding it, and I was kind of like you know. I'm okay with feminism as long as it doesn't go too far. You know, like that type of asshole. Yeah. And then that was kind of the wake-up call where it was like, oh, you can't... This is... You can't be a both-sides guy now. Like, you have to pick... There's only two sides. Mm -hmm. There's no middle. There's no middle road on that one. And that's what kind of pushed me to the left on that stuff more. Mm Mm-hmm. And I have this, I have this really, fun, it's like the most depressing thing. I saved it where I wrote on Facebook right when that was happening. I was like, I really hope Gamergate isn't the sign of like this weird right wing resurgence in this country. And it was like, hey, no. it sucks being right. It's, it's not, it's not great. Not great. Not, no. not, not the best. Things just suck. Yeah. But, um, but the one thing I want to talk about the episode, we want to get back to it now. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I, I texted you about this, actually. Let me find the text I sent you, because this guy says, uh, cut my long pause out. I remember what he says. Can I say it? Sure. That death is an illusion. It says, time is an illusion, so is death. I was close. Okay, so you fucking had it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I wrote it down. I was look. I was looking for it. And, like, right when I found it, you were like, I know. I was like, oh, fuck it, I'll let Diego say it. And then you were wrong. <laughs> well, I was only half <laughs> wrong. But I could be wrong, too. Like, I just, I wrote it really quick. Mm-hmm. But 
he says, time is an illusion, so is death. And it, like, it stuck to me. It's like, is this the, it, does any other kid show ever say death is an illusion? Probably not. <laughs> Which is, you know, but I got it's probably something that's easier to believe when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I think when I was a kid and I watched this, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, the afterlife is a real thing. You know, God's real. Jesus is real. Santa Claus is real. The Tooth Fairy is real. Um, good cops are real. <laughs> like, all the mythical creatures of the world. Well, to kind of go into the more religious side of it, that's definitely why this show struck a chord with me. And I think I, we talked about it a little bit on Star Wars, like, why that series is kind of, like, my relationship to it has gotten more complex in a more positive way as I've gotten older and been like, yeah, I don't know about this religion stuff. I got, I got too many questions, but it is something <laughs> that I, I still hold like dear to me, like in terms of faith, you know, not so much in like afterlife and like a higher power, I guess, but just like the, the idea of how th- things like that can connect us, you know? And yeah. I, I think this show does a really good job of illustrating why like, it's so important, you know, like what we do to the earth is what we do to each other. You know, it doesn't matter what you believe. Like that is a fundamental fact of life. You know, <laughs> that, that is, that is more true than taxes. There you go. Yeah. I think, I think in this weird thing where it's like, cause it's someone who did also became an atheist and is still an atheist, but there's this weird thing where if you leave spirituality, spirituality, the farther you get away from it, you actually start coming back around in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Where you start, like, looking at, like, a deeper thing. I don't want to say deeper, because that sounds pretentious. But, like, you start looking at the interconnectivity of all things in, like, a different way. And an afterlife in a way that doesn't actually mean physically going to an afterlife. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know what was the thing that's, like, as someone who went through an asshole atheist phase, you know what was the thing that saved me from going, like, fully overboard with it? Was uh, when people like Richard Dawkins were like, you can't support Star Wars or Harry Potter (laughs) because there's magic in it, and, like, you have to believe in the Force for it to work. And that teaches anti-intellectual thinking and that was like the first time I was like I think that's kind of bullshit (laughs) cut to you know years later and Richard Dawkins is saying really crazy shit about women (laughs) and it's like hey maybe Richard Dawkins will be our Jordan Peterson for this retrospective maybe I don't know know I never, never I never I never read Dawkins even, like, at the peak of my atheism. Oh, thank God. Because well, all his books always felt like... A, they felt like they were dunking on religious people, which I was never a fan of. But it also felt like if you were that guy who's like, I'm still religious, but I'm questioning. Like, that's what his books are good for. But if you're already on Team Atheism, his books kind of suck. Mm. I embarrassingly did read a lot of Christopher Hitchens, though. Mm. Which I am forever ashamed were you ever a bill maher guy no okay no i never liked bill maher. I, for a year or two i was like yeah i like that bill maher and then like i don't know what happened i just woke up one day i was really depressed around that time this was like 2012 <laughs> 2013 oh, oh really yeah 
And then depression led you to liking some fucking fucked up people. I never related to that. <laughs> but like after like something just happened, I just woke up and I was like, no, I'm pretty sure he's a piece of shit. And then like a year after or whatever, like relatively soon after that. Ben Affleck was like, you're like Islamophobic, dude. I know, that was the bat. Oh, yeah, that's why I'll always kind of go to bat for him, you know? Like, God forbid something horrible comes out about him, then I'm like, oh, shit. But, you know, like, I saw that, like, publicly, like, defacing him on his own show for being straight-up Islamophobic, and I was like, all right. I, I like this new Ben Affleck, this new auteur director Ben Affleck. But there was that thing with Phil Mar for me. It was like every now and then he would say stuff that I'd be like, yeah, like I agree. But then he was always doing shit where he's like, I don't believe in vaccines. Like in between it. So it was enough to keep me like away from him. So, I, But I never had a strong opinion of him until I saw his documentary, Religious. Oh, the worst film ever made? Yeah, which was like this thing where... Again, I was, like, deep into atheism at the time, and, like, all my atheist friends were like, you gotta watch this documentary, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, they were they were trying to turn it into, like, the atheist version of Passion of the Christ. Like, they wanted it to be, like, this big thing. And I watched it, and it's just Bill Maher, like, going around making fun of religious people. It's like, what the fuck are you, what? Like, that's not why I'm in this, that's not why I'm on this team. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that always bugged me. Because that was, like, the thing. There was, like, there, that, there was two types of atheists, which were the ones who, like, were, like, I just don't believe. And the ones that were there to, like, be smarter than everyone. And it was it was a bummer. Because mm. the, the ones who were trying to be smarter than people were always the loudest voices. Yeah. And, and then all those people ended up voting Trump, so. <laughs> he said the N-word on his show, like, two years he ago. did? Yeah. And nothing came Ooh. of it. Well, that, we should, we, I don't know. <laughs> we, we, we should bring that back into the public consciousness. Although, a, a lot of your faves, look out there, have said the N-word and like, they think they're being funny and edgy. That's true. That's true. There was a, there was a stretch where we were like cool with it. I know. And by we, no, I mean, he did, I mean, no, he did America. it like two years ago. I know. <laughs> That's the thing. Like... Like, I, I, people can change and grow. He's clearly someone who's just not, you know? Like, well, there's, there's a Will Ferrell skit. Um, you ever see where he's Robert Goulet? No. Where it's, it's like one of his best bits, but like they won't post it anywhere because he says the N word in it. And because the joke is Robert Goulet is going to cover rap songs. Like, that's the joke. And the joke is he doesn't get. That when they say the N-word in it, you don't pronounce it with the hard R. Oh, no! <laughs> yeah, that's the joke. Oh. So it's him doing, like... I, I won't quote the song, Yeah, please don't. But he's like, I don't care if he's Mr. Notorious Big Kenny Croon. Like, that's like the skit. Oh. And like, Papa, I love it when you call me Big Papa. <laughs> and... <laughs> it's funny except for that like because the the album is called it's a rap which is funny in why and he's like and clearly it's like it's because like it, the joke is robert goulet is also supposed to be racist in the skit mm-hmm. he's like why'd you let these hooligans tear down the biz so stupid 
And it was, it was one of the most popular ones. It used to be one of those ones where they'd be like, best of SNL, they would air it all the time. And then like five years ago, it just got pulled from everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope you own your best of Will Ferrell SNL DVD. Oh. So I think that's the only place you can get it now. <laughs> On a lighter note, Zuko and Iroh are still living as beggars and Zuko starts but, stealing from, from people. As the... The blue whatever he is. The blue spirit. Yes. From the fan favorite episode that you said can go fuck itself. Which one was that? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember. The blue actually. spirit. Yeah, I remember that half. Was that the name of the episode? Yeah, that was the name of the episode. Oh, alright. That episode sucks, yeah. No, <laughs> it's good. You just... It doesn't suck, but it's like not my favorite. A lot worse episodes. I would agree because I think it's one of the best, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, Zuko Zuko wears the blue spirit mask again. It's it's cool. It's classic. Why did I hate that episode? I don't even remember. I don't, you just couldn't remember anything that happened to it. You're like, yeah, it was oh, fine. Oh, all right. No, it's – I get I, – honestly, I don't even think I hate the episode. It was just this weird thing where I kept watching it <laughs> and then I would just forget it. And again, I forget it. <laughs> so I can't even say I hate the episode. It's just for whatever reason, it just won't stick in my brain. I don't know. It's, it's it's weird, but like as as book two is obviously the the fall of the season one. In these first episodes, we get kind of a pair of sequels to season one episodes with Return to Omashu and also with episode five uh, or chapter five Avatar Day, which is kind of a yes. sequel to the Kyoshi Warriors. And guess what? You hated it. I loved this episode. Okay, okay. Is this your favorite this, of the bunch? Of the bunch, this is my favorite. Okay. I love this episode so much. And what caught me off guard is that I remembered it. Like, it wasn't like I forgot, like, the anti-Avatar Day thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a joke. The episode's called Avatar Day, but then it's like, oh, they hate the Avatar. I, I remembered that. And so for some reason in my brain, I was like, ah, it's, you know, it's a forgettable episode. It's just like a roundabout plot. I was kind of expecting the fortune teller again, to be honest. Oh, no. And... But not only is it really interesting, which we'll get into, but, like, every joke lands, mm-hmm. which I didn't expect. Sometimes you watch these kids' shows, and there's, like, a lot of humor in it for kids, and I would have to be a real asshole <laughs> to complain about jokes in a kid's show meant for children. Yeah. You know, like, you would have to be a real douche to do that. But this one, it was like, I was like laughing out loud watching the episode. Yeah, no, in terms of like the more episodic um, stories in in the series so far, I I think this is one of the stronger ones. Like, it's got a genuinely compelling like mystery element. Sokka gets to go a little like CSI, you know, which like, I I don't know, it's just fun. He He gets to be a detective and what's funny is they put so much time into it and it Kind of adds up to nothing. I know. <laughs> that That's what, I think that was what killed me, was that he does all this investigation, and then it's like, why you have evidence? You won't need it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why? It's like, well, the trial is, you say your side, and then I say my side, and then I choose who's right. Yeah. <laughs> James Hong, again, has returned, um, voicing a different character. Chin, no, not Chin the Great, that was the evil guy. <laughs> yeah, as Chin the Conqueror. Yeah. As we come to know him as. No, but they call him Chin the Great because he was a great guy. Yeah. And the Avatar, Avatar Kyoshi, killed him. 
So they burn avatars in effigy every every year. <laughs> and I do like that eventually they find out, like, oh, yeah, I was a bad person, but she still killed him, so. Yeah, I know. It's so great. It's so fucking funny. Uh, also, it's, it's easy to see why Kiyoshi is, like, a fan favorite. Not just for, like, the Warriors of Kiyoshi episode, but also, like, she's very Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. And uh, voiced by uh, Jennifer Hale. Yes. Again. Um, who was the the weird bounty hunter character? Oh yeah, yeah. In season one, and now she's now it's Commander Shepard's back, but this time she's Avatar Kiyoshi, which rules. Yeah, Fem Yeah, voice sounds basically the same, but what are you gonna <laughs> I do? I know, I know, but whatever. It, it's fine. It fits. It works. But yeah, it's just this funny thing where it's like Sokka loses his boomerang, so now he's like, all right, I gotta find a new personality because <laughs> I don't have my goddamn boomerang. <laughs> Um, so he decides like he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a detective, and he does a lot of detective work. Find out that Kiyoshi had the biggest feet of any avatar. <laughs> it is fun. <laughs> which, which I mean, it's funny because it's like why why make that a detail? But then it's also like the evidence they use. Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, there's little feet. It couldn't have been her. <laughs> And then Aang has to defend himself, but he does such a terrible job explaining anything. As you can see, I have small feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and the painting was different. <laughs> and see, I was in the painting. There just stares at him. Um, yeah, that's pretty great. And uh, when they go back to Kyoshi Island, uh, you get to see that um, the the town leader says that, like, oh, they inspired the warriors of Kyoshi to go out and start, like, doing positive causes out in the world and, like, helping people while the Avatar is returned. Uh, I'll, I'll just say I hope they don't come back. Because, I mean, they're obviously going to come back. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So. Um, oh, and then there's a nice little wraparound. In the beginning of the episode, you get to see these these uh, warriors that... Uh, rhino... R- rough rhinos? Yeah, the rhino guys. Yeah, yeah rough, rough, rough rhinos. rhinos. Yeah. Which is a reference to Teddy Roosevelt's Rough Riders, I guess. It, I don't know. Oh my god, that would have been <laughs> horrifying. Uh, hey, but, you know, Teddy Roosevelt was an imperialist fuck, yeah. so... This is why this is the true successor to the Star Wars franchise. Because it also radicalized small children about the evils of American imperialism. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I like the... This isn't a huge thing, but I just like the designs on, like, these smaller level baddies in Avatar The Last oh, yeah. Airbender. Because, like, they're... You see these guys, like, twice in the entire series, but they all have, like, this distinct, like, design to them and, like, movement. They put more detail than they ever needed to put into them. Yeah, yeah, and so they're just, they're, they're cool little villains, you know. This show puts, like, goes above and beyond in all the, like, little areas, and that stuff really adds up. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel like, like a we're, complete world. Yeah, where, like, a bad show is, like, the opposite, where it's, like, sometimes a show can be, like, totally solid, but it's got, like, a million little bad things... And that, like, chips away at it. This is the exact opposite, yeah. where it's got a bunch of great things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also got to talk about, again, as a sequel to Kyoshi Warriors, which I talked about as getting, like, weirdly subversive that early in the show. Mm-hmm. And again, it was, like, 2005, which, like, it feels like a radical episode even for then. I mean, even for now. Um, this is an episode where, so... Aang's past self, Kiyoshi, who was a woman, um, may or may not have committed a crime, so they have to try and prove her innocence. That doesn't work. So then they're like, all right, maybe we can bring Kiyoshi's spirit back. 
And the way they do it is by making Aang dress up as Kyoshi. And it's kind of played for laughs, but it also works. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's it's, it's it, funny because it's Aang and he's small. But... Mm-hmm. And yet she's a bigger person. Yeah, but then it's also, like, empowering because not only does it work, but it's also like, oh, yeah, like, that is... There is power in that. And she ended up saving, like, the world in her own time. Yeah, well, again, it's also a comedy scene, but it's also a scene where it's, like... It's not... That, like degrading someone for wearing women's clothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's it. Which, that's what makes it work. Which is just what's fascinating. Because again, that's like such a like a common comedy trope. Even in like works that like aren't like fucked up in any way. Mm-hmm. You know, part of me is I, I I honestly think part of me thinks that the reason why the UK has such a trans problem is because so much of their comedy is filled with men dressing as women. It's, like, such a common thing in, in British comedies. Mm. And I, I, like, I wonder how much that's influenced the, like, cur- like the culture over there. Mm. Um, but it totally works. It calls on Kyoshi's spirit, and we see that she fucking, like, split a continent in half. And created an island. Which is amazing. Yeah. And then there's the, like, that proves she's guilty. <laughs> It's this great little moment. This episode was fantastic. I loved it so much. I don't know if it's my favorite of the bunch, but I, I liked all of these quite a bit, so I don't know. Oh, yeah, I definitely I definitely liked them. Um, I think it's just one of the things as, as uh, this episode, I mean, this season being the return of, I mean, um, Empire Strikes Back type season, it does get progressively darker. So sometimes my enjoyment's a little subdued because I know where some of this is going. Mm-hmm. So that can always put like a bummer on things. Yeah, because the next episodes are a little heavier than this. So I like that they ease you back in because this is very similarly structured to season one, but it's already hitting you with like the oh, this the, the, the best light plans are not going to come to pass. You know, like yes. it, it's such a clear goal at the first episode and it's already changed by the end of the third episode. That they have to, like, rework everything, and they're basically in free fall at this point. We don't really, like, talk about that very much. That They, they basically oh, yeah. have no plan for these last two episodes. Well, they're basically just like, we got to find uh, uh, a teacher to teach of earthbending. I guess we'll just fuck around. Yeah, yeah. Fuck around, find out. <laughs> um, but maybe we will meet that that bender in the very next episode but we're out yeah yeah we, for now we're, we're out we're out but um also we also have to mention that uh zuko has started stealing things to to feed him and uncle on the road and uncle iroh's you know not not okay with that and zuko says that maybe right now it's best for them if they split up on their travels and uh, iroh gives him the ostrich horse and zuko goes on his own way and they split up, what and and oh, and then Aang and the gang get to celebrate the new Avatar Day in celebration of him saving their town from the rough rhinos with uncooked dough in memory Yay. of them not being burned. Oh, that's so great! <laughs> that's so, like ridiculous. Oh yeah, the the wheel of punishment is a thing we brushed over, but that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Which for some reason has all these horrific punishments, but also community service. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's the one at like safe out just in case. It's it's the best. Oh. This episode is, this episode's great. Yeah, uh, like, one of the a great note to end on. Yeah, one one of the better uh, roundups of episodes we, we've talked about so far too. Yeah, no no duds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, Avatar, like we said, Avatar is usually one where it's like that a dud is like an anomaly on the show. Frankly, yeah, it, it doesn't. Honestly, if I remember correctly, I I think we're done with them for a while. We'll see. Like a long while, uh, but yeah, again, again, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe something well, changes on my my next rewatch. Something could change. Um, we never, we'll never know. I mean, we'll know. But uh, yeah, what do you mean we'll never know? We're gonna go over. I don't know. <laughs> I got distracted by something. But uh, yeah, I think in season two, I mean, I think I only walked away with like two or three episodes that I was like, I don't like that. And that's still like you know of twenty episodes. That's a pretty good run. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any show where that have that many episodes in a season where I only walk away disliking three. There's there's a, there's a couple shows. And I will say, I, we're probably going to disagree then if that's if that's where you're at already. What do you mean? I, I, I think these are the weakest episodes of the season that I actually still liked a lot. There's a difference between weak episodes and bad episodes, you fucker. Okay, well, I don't think any of them are bad either. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I, there, I was saying at least two episodes from season one I thought were bad. Oh, I thought you were talking about this season now. Never mind, never mind. N- no, I was saying two episodes from season one I thought were bad. Oh. That was what I was saying. Okay. So, of 20, that's a pretty good number. Yes, it is. So, do some math in your fucking heads, losers. <laughs> what the hell? Where did that come from? <laughs> Can you believe my favorite character is about to show up? Yes, I can, actually. (laughs) But until then, next week we are talking about The Blind Bandit, Zuko Alone, The Chase, Bitter Work, and The Library. So tune in next time. And I was going to say, normally I was going to start every book out with me doing a BuzzFeed quiz. I'm glad you dropped this immediately. No, no, well, I found out I couldn't find enough okay. to do every episode, but I can. I found enough to do one per book, and I was going to do it tonight, but my internet is still not back. Oh, thank God. I, I, I still have no power for no reason. I have no idea why there's no power at this house. It is not raining. There is no storm. Everything was good, and now I have no power. So I'll save it for the next episode. Okay, fine. Uh, I'm sure the audience is on the edge of their seats. I know, I know. I haven't, like, with the time we're recording this, because we've been recording these, like, almost back-to-back, like, pretty pretty rapidly. I wanted to start asking people on the Twitters, like, what do they think of the episodes so far? But I guess I have to announce this first. We're so. probably going to finish the entire first show before releasing any episodes. No, 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 no. I got, I got. We'll see. We'll see. It'd be kind of cool to get many, the anniversary. Uh, I know. When's the anniversary? February twenty first. Never mind. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Not happening. Good job. Oh wait, wait. Maybe for the ending. <laughs> July nineteenth. Never mind. Well, all right. Okay, 
One last guess. <laughs> when did the M. Night Shyamalan film come out? No, that was definitely like a June thing. We really, I think we just passed the uh, 10th anniversary. Oh, that's of that right. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. I remember a friend of mine told me like, no, 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 it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've never, did you, we've never did you let kill, him rest. Did you kill that friend? No, no, no. He's a teacher now. What <laughs> What did you say? He's a teacher now. Oh my god. Oh no. The future of America is doomed. <laughs> hey, that's like my friend fucking Emily, who I know is listening, uh, told me, like, I was like, I'm not seeing Jurassic World. I think all the trailers look bad. And then she saw it and was like, actually, it's pretty good. <laughs> and then I went to see it. On a, at, a, at a matinee, and I started texting her about 30 minutes in, when does this get good? Because <laughs> that was one of the worst movie-going experiences of my whole life. Oh, okay, and uh, before we officially wrap up, I also want to shout out, again, Lauren McMullen, the only female director in the series so far. Oh, that's that's a shame. Um, but she's done, uh, she's done two of these episodes. Uh, yeah, and she did my favorite one. And The Cave of Two Lovers. Yes, <laughs> I like I like it. I, I didn't. I was I was just dissing the hippies. Yeah, okay, I know that dunking on hippies is like right wing propaganda, but fuck hippies. <laughs> All the hippies grew up to vote for Reagan. They suck. <laughs> yeah, fuck Forrest Gump. Anyways, Matt, where can the people find oh, you? That movie, that movie sucks so hard. I'm glad as a culture we finally just accepted that Forrest Gump is like the worst movie. <laughs> Where can the people find you? Remember when... Did they show you Forrest Gump in history class? No. They did in my school. We saw Gandhi. I mean, Gandhi's not, like, great, but... No, no, it's it's not. It's just long. It's it's better than Forrest Gump. Is it? Yes, actually. Gandhi was a horrible racist. Yeah, I know, but... (laughs) You know... Forrest Gump wasn't real. (laughs) I know, but Forrest Gump did some fucking dumb shit. It's just like... You ever see the, the Dave Chappelle bit about Forrest Gump? No. I'm just going to quote it. You can cut this. Who cares? But he he's like, I got I was offered a part in Forrest Gump. And he's like, I'm reading the script, and I hated it. And he's like, I'm reading the script, and I'm like, this Forrest Gump guy is an idiot. And all he does is he just keeps winning. He's like, who the hell is dumber than Forrest Gump. And then he goes, oh, his black friend. (laughs) 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 Which isn't wrong. Oh, wow. Oh, no. (laughs) So. (laughs) Put that in your pipe and smoke it. (laughs) Matt, where can the people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com. And you can find me on the Twitters at the Diego Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon, where you can get the entire Book 2 recordings available now if you're on Patreon. Hey, now. Yeah, so check that out. I'm sure that's that's a good call to make. I'm sure nothing will interrupt their recording schedule. Don't you don't put that out there in the world. <laughs> don't do that. Hey, I just know us. I got a good. And by us, and by us, I mean me. 
I I got a good <laughs> so, feeling about this one. Yeah, you know what? we've been doing good. Yeah. We're way ahead. I know. We're way ahead. I, it feels feels good. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional. Secret tunnel.